excited that you have chosen to be with me today as we continue our study in God's Word. We're actually looking at some of the great people of the Old Testament uh, who lived thousands of years ago, yet who have so much to say to us in this 21st century. It's amazing how, though all kinds of things change, the needs of people and the work of God in their lives is much the same. And so we've been talking about some of them. I want to talk with you about a woman first today. And she was the woman who learned a lot about laughter. I don't know how you think of laughter, but I think laughter is one of God's very special gifts which he has provided uh, for each of us. Jennifer Jones, the actress, once said, if you could choose one characteristic that would get you through life, choose a sense of humor. Chuck Swindoll, the great pastor and writer, said of all the things God created, I'm most grateful he has created laughter. Laughter has that unshakable ability to break life up into little pieces and make it livable. It adds richness and texture and color to very ordinary days. And it's a gift, a choice, a discipline, an art. John Powell said, Blessed is he who has learned to laugh at himself, for he shall never cease to be entertained. And that's one of the real secrets of life is to be able to laugh at yourself and to laugh at your failures, to laugh at your mistakes, to laugh at your boo-boos. And the Bible says a cheerful heart is a good medicine, Proverbs 17, 22. Steve Allen, the comedian, once said, don't try to suppress laughter. If you'll do it, we'll go down and spread out around your hips. Well, I don't know about that, but I think it's important to learn to laugh, to laugh at ourselves, to laugh at life, even to laugh at problems and to laugh when there's things to laugh about. Now, there are right kinds of laughter and wrong kinds of laughter. We need to learn to laugh with God, laugh with the joy of his presence, laugh with amazement at his promises, but not laugh at his promises. A lot of things are funny, and we need to learn to laugh at them. For example, I'll give you an example of something as a pastor that I thought was worth laughter. It's about the perfect pastor. This is the description somebody wrote of the perfect pastor. It's a result of a computerized study, and the perfect pastor preaches exactly 15 minutes. He condemns sin, but he never upsets anyone. He works from 8 in the morning until 12 midnight and is also the janitor of the church. He makes $60 a week, wears good clothes, buys good books, drives a good car, and and gives $50 a week to the poor. 28 years old and has been preaching for 30 years. He's wonderfully gentle and, of course, handsome. He has a burning desire to work with teenagers and yet spends all of his time with the senior citizens. The perfect pastor smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor keeps him seriously dedicated to his work. He makes 15 calls a day on church family members, shut-ins, and the hospital people. He spends all his time evangelizing the young church yet he's always in his office when needed. If your pastor doesn't measure up, simply send this letter to the six other churches that are tired of their pastor, then bundle up your pastor and send him to the church at the top of the list. In one year, you will receive 1,643 pastors, and one of them should be perfect. Warning, keep this letter going. One church broke the chain and got its whole pastor back. I thought that was funny. You may not, but as a pastor, it was funny to me because it it sort of... pictures what a lot of people think a pastor ought to be. Everything 
and yet he can't be everything. But that's just talking about laughter. But our study about laughter zeroes in on a woman named Sarah. Now, we can't really focus on Sarah unless we talk also about her husband, who was Abraham. And let me tell you a little bit about Sarah and Abraham. They'd been married for a long time. They had an outstanding marriage, and the Bible indicates that Sarah was a woman of unusual beauty, and she was attractive, the Scripture says, in face and form. And when she and Abraham had to flee to, to Egypt because of famine, she was so beautiful that the king of Egypt saw her and praised her and thought she was a sister to Abraham rather than his wife and was interested in making her a part of his, his harem. The Dead Sea Scrolls reference her beauty, and she was an unusual woman. And one of the most unusual things about her was at the age of 90, she gave birth to a child. So let's look at it. This is all found in the book of Genesis, chapter 17. Now she Notice first the sin of laughing at God's promises. God renewed his promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. And he told him that on several different occasions, led him to know that that was going to be true. Yet Abraham didn't have any children. And he and Sarah were <clears throat> getting quite old. And in the 17th chapter of Genesis, God renewed that promise again, told Abraham that he would cause him to multiply exceedingly. Now, Abraham and Sarah <clears throat> didn't know how this was going to take place, but God had given them this promise 13 years earlier. Then they were already too old to have children, and they became so concerned about this promise that they decided that they were going to have to help God bring his promise to pass. So they decided to help God out. Sarah suggested to Abraham that he take Hagar, her handmaiden, as his wife, have a son by her, and that way he would be able to be the father of a great nation. Now, God never was in this. He never instructed them to do this. This was something they did totally on their own, and they got completely out of God's will, and they made a big mess of things. We don't have to help God out. He's totally capable of taking care of himself. We don't have to do strange things to try to make his promises come to pass. When God says he's going to do something, we just need to wait on the Lord. We need to trust him. We need to be sure that he knows what he's doing and he's capable of doing it, and he will do it in his own time and his own way. And so just remember that. Don't get ahead of him. Don't try to do God's work yourself in your own strength, in your own way. Trust him to do it through you. So God revealed himself again to Abraham, and, and he said, that Ishmael, who had been born to Hagar, was not the one who was going to be the, the, the heir of promise. God told Abraham, I'm God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. In these verses, God is revealed as the great Yahweh God. He's revealed as Elohim, and he's revealed as El Shaddai, three names for God given in, these, in this particular covenant that God made with Abraham. Now, we're going to pick that up tomorrow and continue to talk more about it, but I just want you to realize that when God wanted Abraham to understand that he was big enough, strong enough, powerful enough, he called himself El Shaddai, which means the Almighty, the one who's all-powerful, the one who's able. So we'll pick that up tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great day.